you might have forgotten, but when the summer started, we were in a series called Living Hope, and we're going to finish it eventually. Uh, you know, we had a lot of things happening this summer, summer camp and Knott's Berry Farm and beach trips and, and whatnot, but uh, going to kind of close it out. We're, we're going through the book of 1 Peter, and so today, if you're following along on your Bible apps or something like that, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4. And I think the last time that we were in here, we were actually uh, in 1 Peter chapter two, 1, maybe, 1 or 2. We talked about it a little bit Sunday mornings as well. But we talked about where God says, you should be holy because I am holy. And sometimes as Christians, maybe we hear like, okay, yeah, I'm supposed to be different. I'm supposed to be different from my friends, maybe that are watching or doing certain things. I'm supposed to be different in the way that I love people, in the way that I live my life. We know that we should be different, but we don't always know how to feel okay with that. Like we know, okay, I'm supposed to be different, but some of us, or at least a part of us, feels uncomfortable with that. Or maybe even feels a little bit ashamed about that. So today we're going to talk about how to be okay with being different. Starting out in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves in the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. The first point tonight is that you can be okay with being different when you value purpose over comfort. We live in a culture that values comfort over purpose. People would rather be comfortable uh, just being like everyone else rather than try to seek God's unique purpose for their life. But real change and growth never happens inside our comfort zone, right? You're in school, like you want to get a good grade, you want to get smart, you kind of got to read the book, right? You got to read the book, you got to study, you got to work for it. You have to get uncomfortable to get the results that you want. And the same thing can apply spiritually in our relationship with God. Sometimes we have to challenge ourselves and take steps of faith to grow in our relationship with God. But that comes from valuing our purpose that God has given us over the comfort of just being like everyone else. I read this story of a woman named Gail Grimes. This is a true story. And she, one day, walked home. She walked into her house, and she sat down on her couch. And she didn't get up all day. She didn't get up all week. She didn't get up all month, the next month, the next month, all year. She died. Six years. She did not get up from this couch. And, of course, as time went on, she had some health problems. And so uh, her relatives or whatever, they called the, the hospital and they transported her to try to get surgery to remove her from the couch, and she died when the surgeons were trying to take her off of it. She died in her comfort. And God loves you too much to just leave you in your comfort. God loves you too much. God wants you to live your life. God wants to do far greater things than you could ever imagine in your life if you're just willing to get uncomfortable. Think about it this way. Would you rather be comfortable on your couch watching a sunset on the TV or drive 15 minutes to the beach to watch the sunset? I'd rather go to the beach, right? I don't know about you guys. Would you rather look for hours on YouTube of people enjoying their lives or go out and enjoy for yourself if that's something you believe you could do? If you want those things, though, you have to get a little bit uncomfortable. 
And then kind of a side note, if you want to get uncomfortable and grow in your walk with, with Christ, in a couple of weeks we're going to have a meeting for anyone uh, interested in joining a student leadership team that we're going to start pretty soon and be challenged to do uh, the uncomfortable things above and beyond that. So going back to what this verse is saying here, Paul says we are suffering in the flesh. I don't know about you, but like that sounds kind of uncomfortable to me, right? Suffering in the flesh, sometimes that's how I feel like getting out of bed in the morning or if I just worked out or something. Maybe you guys don't feel that way. Give it like seven years, you'll get there. But suffering in the flesh, this is something that all Christians do. It says whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. This is the suffering, okay? We're suffering in the flesh because we are trying to live for God and live for His will while simultaneously still having that old sinful flesh that we were born with. And that just sucks. It sucks, right? We give our life to Christ. The Bible says we're a new creation, which is awesome. But even though we're this new creation, we know sometimes we sin, right? Sometimes we mess up. And that's what this suffering is talking about. It's uncomfortable for us. It creates an uncomfortable tension in our lives and in our hearts because we as Christians aren't just called to be different from other people. We're called to be different from who we used to be, right? We're called to change from who we used to be. So even after we're forgiven, we're still going to have temptations. But the reason why it's uncomfortable after you become a Christian is because before you come to Christ and you have all those temptations in your life, you don't really have a reason to change from that because you don't know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you don't have a reason to live your life for anyone besides yourself, right? But if you confess that Jesus is Lord, you give your life to him, then that changes your heart, it changes your behaviors, and it gives you new desires. But sometimes you still struggle with those old <coughs> desires, and it's uncomfortable. But it's the kind of uncomfortable that's going to make you stronger. It's going to make you grow in your faith. 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verse 3 says, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking, parties, lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel is preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. So some of you guys are reading this, you're like, it says the word orgies in the Bible? Like, what the heck, man? This is weird. Yeah, it is kind of weird, right? But this is what they're dealing with in their culture at that time, right? In some ways, this is what we deal with in our culture, this kind of like a very loose view of sexuality. And it says that people are surprised when you don't live the same way they do. It says they are surprised when they don't join them in the same flood of debauchery. Debauchery is kind of a fancy word for that. So one time I, I was working at Applebee's and I was a host at Applebee's. And so we'd stand up there at the front and like check people in. We like fold all those kids, like what do you call them? What are they kids? Kids menus. Yeah, they like color on them and stuff. So I wasted a lot of time up there, but thankfully like, at least when I started the job, it was during the NBA playoffs, so I could watch that. So anyways, we're up there at the front, and we're talking, and we get to know each other pretty well, me and all my coworkers, because we're just kind of standing there waiting for people to come so we can take them to tables or bus tables and whatnot. So, uh, so as we're talking to each other, getting to know each other, they found out that I had a girlfriend, who's now my wife, Brianna, and 
they're kind of surprised as we were talking. They're surprised to learn that me and Brianna weren't living together. It just was kind of unordinary for them. And that kind of makes me think of this verse where it's like, well, if you're trying to follow God's design for your life as he lays out in Scripture, sometimes people are going to be surprised if you're living differently. And they weren't like, they didn't really look down on me for that or anything like that, but they were just kind of surprised. Sometimes people will go beyond surprise to actually looking down on you for that. And sometimes this affects us because, I don't know about you guys, Do you, I mean, I do this. Do you ever like think about what other people are thinking of you? Can we be honest? Am I the only one? Can somebody? Okay, maybe some other people. So sometimes we think about what others are thinking of us, right? But here's the deal. I promise you this. People are not thinking of you as much as you are thinking of them thinking of you. It, they just aren't. <laughs> They're actually probably thinking of themselves, thinking of other people thinking of themselves, right? People just don't do that. Sometimes we can get so caught up in our own, in our own head, like, what are people thinking of me? What are people going to think of me if I really try to live for Jesus? What are people going to think about me if I try to share the gospel with this person and tell them how Jesus changed my life? If I share my story with this person, what are they going to think? And I think it would be better for us if rather than think about, okay, what are people going to think of me? What if we shifted our, our mind just a little bit to like, who am I modeling my life after? Will my life be better if I'm modeling after everyone else, or will my life be better if I model it after Jesus? First Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. The next point tonight is that you can be okay with being different when you are known by your love for others. You can be okay with being different when you're known by your love for others. Now, this is kind of a a rant coming. This is like uh, one of these things. So as Christians, we know, okay, we're not supposed to do certain things. Like the Bible gives us outlines. God gives us commandments of things we shouldn't do, things we should do. God's design for our life is different than the world's. But a Christian, like if there's going to be anything that marks a Christian, it should be their love for other people. It shouldn't be that they just don't go to that certain party or do that certain thing. People should know you're a Christian because of the way you love people, right? That's, that's how we're supposed to be noticed. Like, are you just going to be known as the friend to not invite to certain parties? Or are you going to be known as the friend that when someone in your friend group struggling with depression, they know they can come to you because you love people? Are you just the friend who doesn't cuss? Or are you the friend that speaks life and encouragement into others? Are you known as not just being someone who doesn't say bad words, but as someone that brings positivity and good words into other people's lives? Are you just the kid who doesn't cheat on tests? Or are you the one who works hard in the classroom, on the field, on the court, because you do it for the glory of God? You know what's the best way to live the Christian life? The best way to live the Christian life isn't just to focus on, like, what I shouldn't be doing. If anything, my focus should just be on what I should be doing, which is loving Christ, loving others. It's just, it just makes you feel happier, man. Just trust me, it makes you feel happier. Because you're just focusing on the things you shouldn't do. That's just kind of negative, right? And so Peter is telling these, this church, you know what the best way to live the Christian life is? You've got to focus on loving one another earnestly because love covers a multitude of sins. 
Love covered a multitude of sins for us on the cross. John chapter 13, Jesus says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you go to church Wednesday night, no, that's not what he said, right? If you, like, don't say these certain words, no, Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Are you a loving person? People in your life need the love that God has given to you. God has given you a lot of love. If you haven't felt that, like, just reach out to him. God has a lot of love to give you. But God wants for you to pour that love out to others in your life as well. Are you willing to step out of your comfort zone to give them that love? 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verse 12 through 16 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in his name. You can be okay with being different when you are unashamed. I think oftentimes we associate standing out from the crowd with shame and embarrassment. Like that guy's different. That girl's different. But in Christ, there is no shame, right? Jesus covers our shame. His blood, he, he paid the price for our shame on the cross. So in Christ, there is no shame. In fact, in Christ, we can boast in that. That's why Paul says, I can boast in the cross. Before, when we're covered in shame, we have nothing to brag about. We're covered in sin. We're covered in like all this dirt and muck from the mistakes that we've made. But through Christ, when he died on the cross for our sins, he, he paid the price for everything then we are, our slate is clean by his blood. We can boast, we can brag about what Jesus has done for us. And we should be unashamed. I want you to imagine that someone is making fun of you for something maybe unexpected. Imagine they're like, Andreas, you got 2 million followers on TikTok, man. That's so lame. I got two followers. Like, what's up, man? Doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. You got a C on that test. I mean, you got an A on that test. Man, I got to see in your face, yeah. right? You passed the test, baby. You get to drive a car. I got a bicycle with pedals. It doesn't make sense. It's kind of silly, right? When people insult you for the name of Christ, that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. They're making fun of you for having something that is better than what they have. They don't have Jesus, Right? You have eternal life. I got this life. Eternal life's better, man. You got a relationship with God. You're standing on the truth of God's word. You think you're better than me. Well, no. You could say, I don't think I'm better than you, but I think Jesus is. So I'm going to model my life after him and not after you. Not after everyone else. I'm not just going to be another TikTok clone. I'm going to follow Christ. Verse 16 says, let him not be ashamed, but glorify God. Glorify God. When you lose the shame in your life, you just get, you just set free. You, just, you can't help but give glory to God. You just can't help it. It's not something that you hide. That's why it's not 
You don't have a private relationship with God. It's a public relationship with God, right? It's something you're unashamed of. I, I have this, sometimes at the gym, me and Brianna will go and like, there's these little training sessions you can do. So we went, there's this trainer, and it was like, it sucked, man. It was so hard. We are doing like all these weird looking push-up stuff and like, you guys know the rope thing? I hate the rope thing. You're doing the thing where you're like waving the rope. And like after that workout, we were done. I had to drive home. I was like, I can't lift my arms. We get in the car. I'm like backing up. Turning the wheel was like agony. Like I felt like I was lifting 100 pounds just to turn this car wheel to get onto the road. But I couldn't help but think that's how you know you got a good workout, right? That's how you know you got a good workout is if you can't lift your arms afterwards. It kind of sucks at the time, but that's how you know that's going to make you stronger. Here's how you know if you're really following Christ in an unashamed way. People are going to insult you for the gospel. It's going to suck sometimes. It's going to be hard sometimes. But that's how you know that you're doing something right. And that's how you know that your faith is becoming stronger. If you want a strong faith, don't hide your faith. Some of you guys, like, you want a strong faith. You want to grow in your relationship with God. But you treat it like it's this private thing. If I just read my Bible more, if I just pray more, like, that's good. That's good. But what about if you made your faith a little bit more public? What if you talked about your faith with your family or, or just even other believers? Sometimes... Maybe we feel too, too shy to just talk to other Christians about our walk with Jesus, right? In church, we shouldn't feel that way. We should be unashamed to follow Jesus. What if you focused your heart on the freedom and shameless life that Christ has for you so much that you just don't care what haters say? What if that's what you focused your heart on? Are you unashamed? One way that we show that we're unashamed is actually through baptism, right? Baptism is that public profession of faith, showing everyone that uh, we have been buried with Christ in baptism. That means that uh, we have died to our always. We're repenting. We've been raised to walk in a new life. Being dunked in the water doesn't save you any more than like going swimming in the ocean does, but it's showing everyone what has happened inside of your heart. And so this Sunday, uh, after the second service, for any of you guys interested in baptism, we have baptism class uh, coming up this Sunday after second service. Just had to do a little baptism class plug in there. Um, so, show up to church on Sunday. the next way that you show that you're unashamed is by sharing your story. You share your story. Have you ever shared your story with someone about how Jesus changed your life? You don't need to know all the answers. Sometimes we think like, to talk about God with our friends or, or whatever, that we need to know all these answers or memorize all these verses. Look, just start here. Just share your story, right? They're your friend. They like you. They think you're cool if they hang out with you somewhat, right? So they're your friend. Share your story. Just share your story. And it might feel scary to do that, but if you have a friend that doesn't want to hear your story about something that's important to you in your life, like, are they your friend? I don't, I don't really think so, right? And so if you're saying, hey, man, I just want to share this story with you. Like, I want to share how Jesus changed my life, and maybe he can change your life too. And they're usually going to be open to that. The last point tonight is that you can be okay with being different because it's better to be different. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to have to turn that really quick. Verses 1 through 9. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, says this. And this is one of the, this is a very commonly looked at passage. It's awesome. It's a great passage to memorize. 
if you feel like going hardcore, memorize nine verses. But it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like, this is the key, key thing right here, like the rest of mankind. So Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's saying, remember, you used to be just like everybody else. You used to be dead in sin just like everybody else. You used to always just carry out the desires of the body and the mind. You are by nature a child of wrath. You were under the wrath of God just like everyone else. A future headed towards hell just like everyone else but God. Notice it doesn't say but you. It's not but you. It's not but you were so good that you like pick yourself up and like you were better than everyone else and you did those good works. It says but God. Salvation starts with God. But God who is rich in mercy. God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You know, God likes to show off. God likes to show off how rich he is. You know those guys that like, they just like to like roll out their Rolexes or whatever. They like to show off how rich they are. But God likes to show how rich he is in grace towards you. It literally says God wants to show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You can put a price tag on anything in this world. You can't put a price tag on God's grace. It's immeasurable. It's completely immeasurable for you. God's love for you is immeasurable. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So he says, look, you're like the rest of mankind. You're going this way. This is how you were. But then God stepped into your story, and God made you different. God made you alive. God made you rich with his grace. God gave you purpose. God saved you. He seated you in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. God made you go from rags to royalty, from lost to found. And that's different. That's different from the rest of mankind. And it's better, right? It's better to be different. That doesn't make us better people than everybody else. We're not. The only difference is we're saved by grace, right? We believe in a better God. And we need to show people who that God is as well. So will you be different? I know, like, maybe during the summertime, perhaps you're hanging around your church friends more, like, because you aren't hanging out with your school friends as much during the summer, right? You don't meet at school every week. We're still meeting at church every week. But you guys are going back to school soon. And you're going to be challenged to be different or to be the same. Will you be different? Will you be known by all the stuff you don't do? I mean, so obviously we shouldn't do certain things, right? But are we going to be known by that? Or are we going to be known by the way we love other people? Are we going to love other people so much that, like, they just don't hate on us for all the stuff we don't do with them, right? Are we going to be known by love for others? Will you value purpose over comfort? Will you live an unashamed life? 
Is it worth all this just to know Jesus? Yes, it is. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you can make us different through Christ. Pray for anyone that has not been made different tonight, God, that they would put their faith and hope in you, that trust that Jesus paid it all for them, God, that they can be saved. Lord, I pray for those of us that are believers that you would help us to live in that difference, God, that you would help us to value purpose over comfort, Lord, that you would help us to be known by our love for others, that you would help us to be unashamed of the gospel of Christ because of the power of God for salvation for anyone who believes. And God, that you would always remind us each and every day that it is better to be different because it's just so worth it to know who you are and to know the immeasurable riches of your grace towards us each and every day. I pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, guys, real quick.